This is Sergio Anello of the Early November, and you're listening to We Podcast and We Know Things. Hey everyone, this is May, and you are listening to We Podcast and We Know Things. Well, hello everybody, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of We Podcast and We Know Things. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me, as almost always, the best damn voice in the business, Sam Matura. Let's go! Pardon the pun. We are joined by a very special guest on this very special bonus episode, Will Pugh of Cartel. Thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, before we get into any questioning or anything like that, we do want to tell you something. Uh, Sam and I, we both drive Subarus. And we uh, connect our iPhones or whatever you want to call it to our radio. And every single time that we connect it, the iPhone for a Subaru, for some reason, it just automatically plays. And every single time, A starts. Every time. I know. And it happens for you too? a genius move on our part. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> a genius. Any chance you're working on double A? <laughs> No, but we should. That would be perfect. Because <laughs> then people hit skip and it goes to double A and it's the same song. That would be so perfect. <laughs> Glad we're not the only one. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're so- definitely not alone. No, we've heard that a lot. We're like, ha ha. Not only that, but it's a nine minute medley. <laughs> like, ha ha. Gotcha. <laughs> That's absolutely perfect. Um, so, again, um, frontman of Cartel, uh, music producer talented extraordinaire music extraordinaire uh, how did you get into music will man uh my family's always kind of been a little bit music oriented like my mom was always singing when i was growing up um she's a pretty good singer i mean she's you know singing like choir or something but nothing you know at all like career-wise uh my grandmother or great-grandmother was really uh she was like, in a traveling like church group band um back in like the late 40s early 50s and stuff so i think it's just kind of in the blood a little bit um, and I happen to actually be like a very, very distant cousin to Elvis, so maybe there's something in there. Wait, what? Um, <laughs> Did I hear that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't just like glance over that. Yeah, no. Uh, my great, so my great grandmother, um, her last name was Woodall, but her her mother, uh, was, I forget her mother's maiden name, but she married Elvis's uncle. Wow. So, like, some my great great grandmother was Elvis's aunt by marriage. <laughs> that's awesome i didn't have any yeah, questions yeah. prepared for that yeah i kind of wish i looked up some elvis stuff <laughs> that's literally all the information i have so there you go. <laughs> that's really all you need that's amazing yeah yeah it's pretty wild i found that out when i was seven my uh uh my great-grandmother like fell and broke her hip she was pretty old like 92 i think uh when this happened but um she made it longer I would than elvis just, like sit on her lap Oh yeah, no, she was, she was a, um, she, yeah, I don't, yeah, ever, like, the Energizer Bunny, like crazy, but, um, she, uh, she had a great memory, but she had these, like, all these photo albums, and her favorite thing was, like, I would sit on her lap, and she would, like, go through the photos and show me, like, well, that's your granddaddy when he was your age, and stuff like that, I was like, this is wild, and then she was going through, like, one day, she was flipping through one of them, and she was like, yeah, that's our church group, and it's, like, her, like, holding the guitar, and, like, my great-grandfather, and, like, all these people, like, and there's this little kid, and uh, she's like, yeah, that's little Elvis. I'm like, little Elvis? Like, that's an odd name. She's like, yeah. She's like, y- you know who Elvis is. I'm like, wait, Elvis? Elvis? <laughs> the Elvis? Like, yeah, I'm like, what? I was like, you- Elvis was in your band? She's like, yeah, that was, like, my cousin. I'm like, oh, oh, oh back up. What? <laughs> you know, she told me. I was like, this- that's nuts. <laughs> that is absolutely insane. Um, so, of course, I ran 
back to school and told all my friends. And it just so happened to be uh, about the exact same time that Lisa Marie was married to Michael Jackson. And when all that Michael Jackson little kid stuff started coming out, so they're like, you know, I'm sitting here stoked, like, dude, I'm, I'm related to Elvis, kind of. And they're like, that means you're related to Michael Jackson, who's kind of a petter ass. I'm like, no! So I just, like, caught hell for, like, the coolest thing that happened to me so far. Dude, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah. How do we pivot? I don't no, know how to pivot. The only, thing I can, the only thing I can think of is, did your parents, did they make you join choir? Because it seems like all your family is choir-oriented. No, they didn't. I mean, my parents never pushed me to do anything. I mean, I, the first instrument I played was uh, trumpet. I started in fifth grade, um, just mainly because it was loud. I was like, that's cool. Let's do that. So I got pretty good at that, but then I got braces when I was like, 12. So it uh, kind of put a quick stop to playing trumpet when your lips start bleeding every time you have to play it. Uh, that's when my, my dad bought me an acoustic guitar, and I sort of like you know, did what everybody does with uh, in the acoustic guitar for the first time and bought like a Mel Bay like chord book and like mm-hmm. tried to learn how to play and like my fingers like hurt like trying to stretch and do this. I'm like, how do people play this thing? Um, <laughs> it's better than anyway, getting a harmonica with braces. Oh yeah, God, I can't even imagine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I, that's, I started playing guitar around like age 12, 13. So what, uh, at what age did you guys form Cartel? So Cartel is kind of like a, like the third generation of or iteration, I guess, of the band, quote-unquote, that uh, we had in high school. So I started the band when I was a freshman year in high school. Um, I went to a, uh, a high school, like, different from the district that I had been in with elementary and middle school, so it was, like, all new people. Um, so I didn't know anybody, but played guitar and, like, wrote some songs. You know, nothing, like, crazy, but just, you know, just starting out. And met a couple dudes, like, bass player and drummer, and we had a little three-piece band, and we actually played at, like, our school homecoming, like, pep rally thing, like, the unofficial pep rally outside. Um, and a couple, there was, like, this group of guys who were, like, you know, the punks, so to speak, quote-unquote, like, the edgy dudes. Yeah. Um, and they saw me play, and then this one guy came up and was like, hey, like, you need a, a lead guitar player in your band, you're just a three-piece, like... I'd love to play lead guitar. We're like, that's great, because I don't know anybody, so great. <laughs> and just kind of, like, got pulled into this group of, like, 14 or 15 dudes who all listened to, like, underground, like, hardcore music, and, you know, like, Newfound Glory had maybe, like, just started. Um, so we, uh, or it just started getting popular, I should say. They started before that, but... Um, so, like, he kind of introduced me into this whole world of things that were starting. Like, started with, like, vegan straight-edge hardcore. Like, <laughs> just, like diving straight into the deep end, um, you know, from, like, mainstream rock and stuff like that. So um, they kind of introduced me to all these dudes, which happened to involve Kevin, Nick, and Joseph, um, and Ryan, our original bass player. Mm-hmm. Um, so all these guys were, like, you know, sort of my friends now, because, like, Jake, the guy who came up and uh, asked me to be a guitar player, um, Jake, you know, kind of brought me into the fold, so to speak. So it's one by one, like, you know, the bass player for that band moved to Nashville, actually. And uh, now, coincidentally, is the bass player for Scotty McCreary, the country hmm. artist. Mm-hmm. My, um, wife, my wife knows Yeah, him. he's, like, great. Yeah. Oh, not, yeah. Not knows yeah, him personally. Yeah. I mean, but, like, knows loves of his him. music. Right, yeah. Knows of him, yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of funny claim to fame. It's like, ha-ha, I knew you win, bud. <laughs> but, uh, but then, yeah, so they kind of all, like, the rest of the band sort of petered out, and then we sort of started another band that was called Last Chance. It was like the first little high school, like, I guess, pop punk emo sort of band. Um, and then 
that became a band called Summer's Disregard. Super, you know. Um, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, right. And then we, uh, then that by that time we were in college, um, and then everybody kind of went their separate ways for a little bit. But Joseph, Kevin, and I were uh, going to Georgia State, and we met another guy named Andy Lee, who was the original guitar player in Cartel. Um, and then Ryan was a bass player. We're like, hey, we should do like the supergroup thing because Andy was in a band called Two Weeks Notice from Atlanta that did pretty well. And Atlanta is kind of pockety, like so. We were from Conyers, which is just east of Atlanta, but then there was a, a big scene in Gwinnett County, which is like northeast, and then Marietta, which is northwest. Um, so kind of like three different mini scenes that all came together in downtown. Um, so Andy was from like the northeast Gwinnett scene. So we're like, dude, this become like a supergroup. We could actually play shows to more than twenty five people. This would be sick. Um, so we that's when Cartel started. So that, and that's how we got to be together. But like Joseph, Kevin, and I, we called ourselves the Nucleus because we had been together, playing in yeah. bands together for like seven years at that point. Um, and then Cartel sort of just formed off of that. And that's awesome. Online. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did you guys come up with the name Cartel? Uh, so at Georgia State, uh, we we had a, a band name practice where we were all assigned to come in with three band names for us to choose from. And of course, like all, you know, 19 year old dudes with far other things going on. Um, nobody did. I, I came up with a couple that were just bad, but I didn't like them. So I didn't even tell them to anybody. Oh, and, I was going to uh, say, you, like, oh, you, you, you're anything. more than welcome to share yeah, if you want. No. Yeah, well, that's all right. so. I said, Sam said you're more than welcome to share them now if you want. <laughs> oh God. I, the only one I remember was the fashion. Because it was like, oh, yeah, we can all, like, wear, like, black pants and white shirts and ties and, like, we'll look all cool. It was, like, hipster before hipster was a thing. But then it didn't match the music did, at all, so I was like, now, did you this is a bad idea. Would you have spelled it the, the normal way? Because the way I think, you yeah. know, on the emo, you could have done fast shun, like you shun someone? Yeah, see, yeah, we, we weren't that bad. <laughs> um, I love nice. that answer. It's a nice. perfect, that just tell that just shows yeah, how bad I am. That's good. <laughs> I did think about it. I, I will say you're not you're not alone. It did, the thought did cross my mind, but then um, so we were, we're all sitting there, and Joseph was like, "Well, I only came up with one," and uh, he told the story. He's like, "I was sitting in uh, economics class asleep because that's what he did in school, <laughs> and uh, woke up and they had you know cartel and like the definition of." Uh, you know, what it is based on uh, economics principles. And he's like, that sounds like a cool name. And he said, and we're like, wait, this is great. Like, it meets all of our criteria of anyone can spell it. It's not hard to pronounce. And you can't make fun of it. Fantastic. Let's do it. That works. <laughs> Man, that's and simple. That's awesome. Went from there. Do, you remember, do you remember your first show as Cartel? I do. It was a uh, place called uh, Schwazy's with a, a shway and they're not not swayzy not like patrick right more like no relation yes um yeah no relation exactly um yeah we uh it was about five or six bands and we played like basically most of the ransom ep was our uh our first set because mm. right after that i think we went in and started recording the ransom ep so it was pretty quick from like on set like i think we started like that uh fall of my sophomore year I guess it'd be 2003. Yeah, oh, freshman year. So, fall of my freshman year, we started. Um, we started playing, and then um, wrote those five songs. And then after that show, we went in and started recording. I think literally the next week after our first show, mm-hmm. we did the Ransom EP. Then, so fast forward a little bit around Chroma's release, which was the big first LP 
for Cartel. You were named like a, you had a bunch of accolades thrown your way from that record, from the alt press and Yahoo, all of that. So around that time, you know, what was the mindset around the band? It, you know, I guess where did you guys think that your ceiling was at that time for Cartel? Man, I mean, we we started Cartel with a purpose. Um, like after we made the EP, I guess we went and like played and released it during the spring semester following the semester I just mentioned. Um, we kind of all just like threw the gauntlet down. It was like, all right, like the only way we're going to be able to do this is to get the hell out of Atlanta. So we need to we need to go on tour. To be able to go on tour, we need a van, and to be able to buy a van, we need money. So like everybody has to sell everything they have to be able to afford a van and go. And so like from that first like onset of wanting to do it, we all pretty much gave up everything we had. Like I basically sold all my earthly possessions. Wow. Um, and like saved up whatever money I could, as well as everybody else did the same thing to buy that van and go on tour. And like pretty much from the time that we did that and put into motion going, like everything just sort of, happened but, i mean i really believe it was like sort of collective conscious uh sort of thing going on like even a little bit of the secret quote-unquote mm-hmm. um where we all just decided that's what we were going to do and we were going to make it happen and if it didn't work out it didn't work out but the only way to really find out is to try like do it as real as we possibly could so you know i mean by august or september of that year we were signed to the militia group and putting out the ransom ep did that november so Things just sort of started happening really, really fast. Uh, we recorded Chroma the next May, um, or April, I guess. Um, so things were just happening so fast, and they were just going. Like, we didn't really, it's almost like pushing a big boulder off a cliff. Like, you don't have to keep, you know, running with it and keep the momentum up. It just happened. You just got to hold on. Yeah. So we didn't really know where the ceiling was. It was just sort of like, all right, well, now we're on a label, and all right, our EP came out, and people liked it. That's dope. Now we're doing the first full length. Oh, people like it, too. Great. Oh, we're on tour with Starting Line. Cool. Oh, now <laughs> we're going on a warp tour. Oh, my God, we're selling 30,000 records. Oh, my God, we sold 80,000. Oh, we sold 150,000. And, and then now you're on a major label. Um, so as those things started going, I mean, it happened so quickly that we thought, really, I mean, we thought we could be, like, you know, in that, upper echelon of like you know the fallout boys new song glory like people who had like really jumped up there into into it so and we didn't you know really think about anything other than basically just riding the wave like keep doing what we're doing and you know keep giving all of our you know heart and soul to this and it's going to keep happening so we didn't like it's not like we would have been totally like crushed that we didn't get there i mean even now like i'm not crushed by it it's just uh you, you can't really put a ceiling on it in your head. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, I mean, I guess we would never thought we'd be Bon Jovi, you know, nothing like that. But, um, you know, we, we certainly thought, like, it was possible that we could be headlining amphitheaters and stuff like that. So it was just kind of like, let's just see where this goes. Now, so you guys were, since you guys said you guys were kind of blowing up fast and everything was moving fast, how was your, like, how, did, how was life on the road for you guys? I, I think it's almost like a little bit of a... <sighs> I hate to use the word, but obviously you have to. Um, it's, it's almost like you're in a little bubble because you're. Wow. You know, it, it's the. Yeah, I know. I know. No, no we <laughs> asked that. We, we asked that question to Joe Rio of Hidden in Plain View, and he literally said, mm-hmm. It's like a bubble. The same thing. Yeah. The same it really is, thing. Man. Yeah, I mean, you got your dudes, you know, you got your guys in your band, 
you got your crew, which at the time was our tour manager slash merch guy, and you're just on the road. You're figuring it out. You know, you're living day to day from like, oh, cool, we got paid a hundred bucks at the show. We can go, you know, we can afford to buy some gas to get to the next one. <laughs> um, maybe even we get to you know buy some Wendy's for everybody. Uh, you can hit the dollar menu. And, um, we're crashing on this guy's floor and like, you know, not really knowing what is going to happen other than I'm going to this city and playing this show at this venue. And that's, and that's it. And so the only way you survive psychologically and in real life is you band together and like, you kind of become like a little army unit and just make it happen. Just go. And so, you know, as things started to grow and, you know, we acquired a couple you know, another crew guy. Oh, okay, now we're on work tour, we're on a bus, and we got, like, a merch guy, a dedicated merch guy, we got a dedicated tour guy. We're still in our own little, like, you know, us versus them sort of mentality um, instead of every man for himself. And, like, so every, as things progress, you know, we still remain pretty insular because we were, you know, it was always just us, even when it was nothing, and we are practicing in the living room of a house that we all rented, uh, you know, it, nothing had changed psychologically. We were just doing the same thing just in different settings. So it, it's really, it's really interesting how all that goes. And I think any, like you said, with Hidden uh, Point View, like I think any band will tell you exactly that. Well, to expand on the bubble thing, you mm-hmm. when you guys released your self-titled record, it was selected for MTV's Band in a Bubble. So how did how did you go about getting that record selected to be in Band in a Bubble? So, like, uh, I mean, Dr. Pepper put it on. Um, they were the main sponsor or whatever. And they sort of, like, grifted the idea from a band in Australia called Regurgitator mm-hmm. that had done a similar thing. I think they were in there for, like, a couple months, though. Mm-hmm. And they did more of, like, an art installation sort of thing. Like, I think it was on the pier with the Opera House or something like that. I'm not totally sure. But um, it was out in a public space, you know, and so, like, people just passed by and were like, what the hell is this thing? Um and theirs was definitely more of an like, artistic tool, like no corporate sponsors, nothing like that. They just did it. Um, but Dr. Pepper took the idea and was like, you know, let's blow this thing up American style and put Walmart and KFC on the front of it. Um, so, Not more American <laughs> than Walmart and KFC. <laughs> it really didn't get more American than a beverage company from Texas, Walmart and KFC sponsoring. <laughs> they go hand in hand. Uh, yeah, man. It was just like, whoo. Like, you might as well have raised the stars and bars up there, man. Um, it was it was the same thing. But um, they, I guess they were, like, Dr. Pepper had gone around, like, different labels, like, trying to find, because, you know, it needed to be the right band. You know, they weren't going to get Blink-182 to do this. You know what I mean? So they had to find a band that was kind of on the up and up. And I don't know, like, in what order we got around to being asked, but it came through the label. They're like, okay, we have this opportunity and it was kind of like, I don't mean to make them the bad guy, because everybody, you know, it's an easy thing for a band to be like, label's the bad guy. <laughs> but um, they, it was kind of a little bit of a catch-22 where they're like, hey, you know, this is really awesome. Like, you literally cannot buy this kind of publicity. And, uh, you know, you guys are coming off a pretty successful first full length. If you do this and you have MTV and all these people that are like, you know, invested in the thing, you know, this could be really good for both of us. So you might as, you know, you guys should do it. Um, and of course, you know, like, we're just like, oh my God, really? This is crazy. Because, you know, we've been on TRL, we've done a thing like this is before the writing was on the wall that MTV was like no longer a music station. Um, so it sort of, you know, when we grew up, MTV was like the thing, like, oh my God, you're on MTV, you're 
famous, you know, like you're just nuts. So we still had a little bit of that in us. And so we, you know, eagerly signed on like, this is going to be cool. Yeah. I remember when MTV was about music. They were fun days. Yeah. All them years ago. Right. It was awesome. They were fun days. Now, getting yeah, back to Chroma, how did you guys come up with the idea of doing the 10-year anniversary tour, which me and Greg were at, which was phenomenal, by the way? Yeah, I mean, it kind of, we always had it in the back of our heads that we would do that, um, just because that there really wasn't ever a time that we played Chroma front to back, and like that album was very much set up to be something that you hit play and you didn't stop till it was over, because otherwise we felt like it kind of wouldn't make sense. So, um, I mean, obviously, yeah, it does. But from an artist's perspective, we're like, no, there's a reason why this song comes after this one and this one and that one. Um, so, but we had never played the album like that before. So um, we always knew we were going to do a tour like that. But, like, you know, the chroma cycle of, uh, you know, kind of running through that album, we never really got a chance because, you know, we did the first headlining tour that we'd ever done um, with Cover Starship and Boys Like Girls. Mm-hmm. and you know that was huge and then literally right after that we did some college shows and then went into the bubble so like we never got a chance to like really just say all right now we're going to dedicate and like put an end cap on this album and play it front to back we never got a chance to do that um so with that we were like all right let's let's go do this thing proper play it front to back and and go and uh it was a lot of fun man like that was easily like up there in like top three moments of uh, touring, just in general, like that, it, was, it was incredible experience. Yeah, that, that it was a great show, and it was the first time we got to hear a live. Also, yeah, all nine minutes it was awesome. We had done it a couple times, but definitely not that like true to the record because I mean we had done it without tracks, we had done it without you know I, I had like piano on stage and I would play the piano part, mm-hmm. but it kind of just like without all the you know, the funny production stuff that we did in the background, like it kind of didn't work that great live because by minute five of A, you're just kind of like, all right, okay. And we're like, no, we got like four bars of this. You just can't hear this trumpet part that's going on or like this crazy like kids playing on a playground soundtrack going on. We can't hear all that, but it's there. Yeah. Um, so being able to do it well for the tour was uh, something we were really happy with. Yeah. I remember when me and Greg went to that show and we, we brought our of, friend Ryan too. Yeah. We, it was his first time seeing you guys. Seeing you guys and, and um, just just hearing you live, like you know, you you hear a lot of bands they don't sound like the record at all. Like you sounded like impeccable. Like I just like no, just to you. hear like just to know like how good of a voice you actually have. It's it's, it's freaking awesome. Yeah, and to kiss some more ass. Um, hey, as, <laughs> no no BS on this one. I get you know I grew up with music, music family, dad in the band, all that good stuff. Self taught myself, twelve years old. Blah blah blah. And there are four records growing up that I always said I want to listen to front to back and that I can listen to front to back. This was probably around 05, 06 when I was graduating high school. And it was Green Day Dookie, uh, Pet Sounds from the Beach Boys, um, The Room's Too Cold, The Early November, and Chroma. And I, I just, I do not skip a track. Even now, I, um, when, I'm at, when I'm at the office at work and I just get to listen to music whenever I have some downtime, I don't need to skip a track. It's, you're, you guys were spot on with your track order, with your thought process behind it, making it, you know, wanting it to be a record that doesn't need a track skip that you can listen to. It's almost, it almost tells a story as you go through the record. Spot on. So just to, to get that out there. Well, let me flip the script on you and ask you a question. Sure. Did you catch the Beach Boys reference in A? I did not, honestly. Nah. Uh-huh. So 
So Pet Sounds, I got in hardcore into Pet Sounds in between Ransom EP and Chroma. Um, like read all the books about it, like listened to all the different you know masters and remasters and all this other stuff. I was very much like just entranced by that record. I have the um, I have the vinyl in my hand as we speak. There you go. Um, funny story too. Uh, Tony Asher actually signed my Pet Sounds box set booklet oh that's sick that's amazing i just saw i say i just i saw the beach boys about two or three years ago in north jersey they didn't have brian wilson but it was all the other uh living members Mm -hmm. of the band and it was an experience of a lifetime my dad got me into the beach boys and queen and uh squeeze and all these bands growing up and the beach boys stuck out to me the most uh maybe them and squeeze and um getting to see them as a 20 i guess i was 27 26 at the time Oh God, it was unreal. And I was, I was rocking out three hours, 42 songs, no intermission. Good Lord. Yeah. They're, they're machines. And they were in their seventies. I don't know how they did it. They were in their seventies. Yeah. That was an amazing show. Pet sounds revolutionary record. So anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Oh no, you're good. So in, um, in a, there's, it's actually the, the way the, the song ends. Um, you know that I know there's an answer I know now, but I had to find it for myself. Mm-hmm. That is the chorus from mm. Pet Sound. How did I not? Song. Wow. I know. Yeah. Right, I mean, it's like right I, I listed it off of there, but it was like so perfect to like the song. Is like, this is like meant to be. And I, I asked Zach and Ken, our producers in the band, I was like, guys, like, I'm going to tell you right now, this whole thing is just lifted, but it's kind of like, you know, sort of an homage thing. Like, I didn't want to. You know, it wasn't like a rip thing. Like, right. you know, I really like this is perfect, and this record is literally what inspired me to write Chroma. So, like, hey, like, is this cool? And they're like, you know what? If you get sued by Brian Wilson for lifting that lyric, it'll be the best thing that ever happened to this band. I was like, you're right. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Like, and that means he would have had to listen to it. So even better. So great. Yeah, I don't care. Let's do this. Now, have you ever seen the film Love and Mercy? Yes. Uh, it's one of my favorite films probably ever so good it's so good john cusack just kills it yeah man absolutely kills it now uh say anything else arguably one of the most popular songs in cartel's discography that song ends up in freaking madden i still have madden 07 by the way I'm i'm a huge gamer and i don't get rid of games um especially retro games i guess 07's retro in this day and age but song ends up in madden 07 freaking john tucker must die among other things i think there was uh, a song or two in a tv show here and there i remember buying that Mm -hmm. game coming home flipping out when i heard that song and that uh how do you do you guys remember how you ended up in madden uh so it was kind of Kind of do, like is another one of those things that just sort of happen where you like you know you're on the road and you get an email and it's like EA Sports Madden 07 you're like oh wait wait what 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 are you kidding me? Um, but I guess that year they decided to put a lot of bands in the genre like Taking Back Sunday and Rise Against were on that same mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just, their music director must have just had a you know a total like infatuation with the scene at that time. Um, but yeah, I mean it just kind of. It just kind of popped up. I don't know if they came to our label or our label submitted for it or what the deal was. Sorry, there's a train in the background. It's Bane Mike. I don't know if you can hear it. Yeah, we can. But, it's um, okay. <laughs> that's the train in Berry Hill. We do it live. <laughs> we do it live. That's yeah. right. Welcome. Exactly. Um, so they they did a thing with MTV. Uh-huh. Uh, it was actually, I think, 
just before the bubble. No, yeah, it was the year before the guy because it comes out in what September or something like that. Mad News comes out um, in August was, or September, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it was it was while we were on the Newfound Glory early November tour actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were in New York, we did like a little press junket. It was like Taking Back Sunday and Rise Again, and they were like asking us all these football questions. And like, I think one of the guys at Taking Back Sunday was a huge fan. I think Eddie was a huge like Jets fan or something. Makes sense, Long Island. Yeah, but um. You know, Rise Against, they could care less about football. And I think, I'm, don't quote me on that, I don't want to piss them off, but it, it, it didn't strike me as those guys gave a damn what was going on that day. Yo, if they um, listen they to this, me. if they listen to this podcast and hear that, again, just like you with the suing thing, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just direct them to me. I'll take it. It's fine. <laughs> it's like the heat. Um, but yeah, you know, ask them, who's your favorite team? What's this? What's your favorite player? Blah, blah, blah. We're just all like, wow, oh, man, you just shooting the shit on them hard with football. So. Yeah. Um, that was a really cool experience, and then obviously, like we we bought the game and, and had it. We couldn't get free copies though. That's ridiculous! That? Wow, that's ridiculous! Right? right? I know. I'm sure they were like, "Well, we paid your publishing company a lot of money to use the Like, you think we well, saw that money? Come on, buddy! Free <laughs> <laughs> game, it's fifty bucks, you know? Yeah. So, so Greg and I, we, we saw you guys a bunch of times, and you know, we had Ace and Surge on the podcast before, and you guys opened up for him on the reunion show. How did you take that spot? Yeah, um, that was another thing that just kind of went through the agent. I mean, I think it, after talking with Ace and, uh, and Joe about it when we were on tour, it was kind of like one of those things where they wanted to play with bands that they hadn't played with before. And we toured with them with Newfound Glory, but that was kind of a different, a totally different era for both of us. I mean, I think that band, like, musically grew up a lot not that their old stuff wasn't grown up i don't you know don't mean to sound like that but i think they were really dialed in on something when they released that record which i think was in current is when we did that mm-hmm. tour them yeah that was um, in currents but they played uh the room's too cold in its entirety that night yes 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 they were doing that that's right and so like we just kind of hung out and you know it's like yeah you know we wanted to tour with you guys because like we didn't really get to hang out a lot on that tour because everybody was just too busy doing everything else and that Fun glory tour was wild um with like just press and all sorts of activities um happening so like we didn't really get a chance to really throw down with them a lot uh we did with surge because surge likes he likes party very good um so we hung out with him a lot um you know, Ace is kind of like me. He's kind of like the old man in the band. He's like, man, I'm married. I got kids. I don't, nah, man. Like, I, I don't have time for this. Right. So um, we got to hang out a lot on that tour, which is great. But yeah, I think it's just one of the things that kind of just happened. It we, was awesome. We, we love those guys. We know Serge is listening to this. We've we've uh, we're pretty good buds with him now. Since we've had him on the show, we we talk all the time. And Serge, you heard it here. You like to party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's the man. Yeah, he is. And I'll give him this best bass tone. Best bass tone in the industry, hands down. Well, you'll be excited to hear some some things cooking with with Serge. So we, we uh, okay. we're really okay. we'll we'll tell you after the interview. We're really looking forward to that stuff. But about two right. hours ago, the Warp Tour released their final lineup. It was just announced two hours ago. How do you feel that now that that tour is coming to an end? I mean, especially you guys just recently did the cruise, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, it was back in October. Yeah, we. I actually tried to get my honeymoon. I was. I got married in September, and I asked my wife if we could do our honeymoon on that cruise. And the only reason she said no is because she'd never been on a cruise, so she didn't want to like get seasick or something, and it would take away from the fun of seeing all the bands. So we ended up going to the Bahamas. But now that you know, Warp Tour is coming to an end. What are your some memories you have of it, or, or good or bad or anything? Man, 
I mean, we, I, I think, how old are you guys? Like 30, 28. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're in the same general era of going to warp tours. Um, like my, my first warp tour was like 98 or 97, I think. So I was in like seventh or eighth grade. Um, and I remember like just being blown away, like being able to see all these bands that like, you know, it's hard pressed to get my parents to take me to do anything around music, but let alone like being able to go and see like all my favorite bands in one spot in one day. And it was just like, it was incredible. Like I remember I went every year, I think from that on that point on, um, and, you know, so when we actually like got to be in a band that played on Warp Tour, it was just like, oh my god, this is the thing! Like it was, you know, one of those like you know watershed moments in in a career. Um, it meant a lot to us. I mean, it was the first tour we did in the bus because we had heard all the stories of doing it in the van and how it was hell, and we were like, listen, even if we go like flat broke doing it in the bus, like we're going to be much like happier <laughs> than we did. Um, so you know, his first tour in the bus, going around hanging out, like seeing all these bands, like, uh, you know, meeting some heroes. Um, funny story is, uh, no effects that Mike's a big golfer. I as well am a big golfer. And, um, somehow it worked out like my buddy, um, Don Rohr, who's in the industry or was in the industry now works for NASCAR actually. It's funny. But, um, he, he was just the, you know, the ultimate like people connector, like just the networking guy. Mm-hmm. And he was out at like the Philadelphia Warped tour or something. And, uh, he just goes, you know, we're like in the catering line. He's like, he's like, Mike, Mike, I know you're a big golfer. This guy here is a big golfer. He's like, he's in cartel. You might not have heard of him, but they're on the tour. Like, you guys should play some golf. And he's like, dude, we're going to be in Raleigh in like a week. Like, I know a good course out there. Let's go play. And he's like, all right. We like change numbers and be like, Jack, maybe we go play golf like at eight in the morning in Raleigh and work to her. And all the guys in the band, like, I was, I wasn't like a huge no effects fan growing up because it just kind of happened before I really like, got turned on to all this music. <clears throat> but everybody else in the band were huge no effects fans. They're like, wait, wait, what? You're going <laughs> to play golf with that mic? I'm like, yeah. They're like, dude, do you realize how cool that is? I'm like, well, yeah, it's cool with that mic, of course. You know, like, that, you know, come on. Like, and they were like, no, 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 you have no idea. I'm like, dude, I, I think I do, but like, I'm not freaking out. They're like, how, what, what, how do you get to be the guy that hangs out with them? I'm like, I don't know. What's uh, the, oh, I'm sorry. I just dropped the mic. What's the best club in your bag? Danger, danger, danger. Um, it, it's it's two parts. Okay. It's a uh, three wood in my fifty degree wedge. Of course, you have a fifty degree wedge. I would say my eight is my best club out of my bag. My eight iron. It's not even close. That's my like. That's my all purpose club. I don't care if I shank it off the tee in a par five. I'm going eight iron on that second <laughs> shot. It just gets me to where I need to go. I know I can knock it right in the middle of the fairway with the eight. I'm, I trust the eight. The eight's my friend, so I run with the eight. It's almost like in Tin Cup. Did you ever see that movie? Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> what did I do that with? A seven iron. Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, like, the 50-degree wedge is like, somebody came up and put a gun to my head and put me 125 yards from a green and, like, hit the green. Go ahead and hold on to your bullets, buddy. This is hitting dead center. Like that, I never miss with that club. That's it's like awesome. my layup club. It's like what I do. Like that, that's my thing. There you go. See, I'm, I feel like I'm just left out because all I do is golf. I just go like to the driving range just to just to let off some steam. Hey, that's fine, man. Golf's hard sport. Like it's cathartic just to hit the ball. So one good <laughs> one good shot. One good shot, and you love the game. Simple as that. That's it. You hit one, and you're just like, mm, this is why I do it. Now, the other 99 don't go as well. 
but still. <laughs> exactly. Now, jumping back to music, do you have a favorite song or songs you like to play live? Ooh. Um, so I, it, it's off of our last record, um, Collider. Uh, it's called Sympathy. Um, I like it because I started playing bass uh, live when we did that record. And um, that's a shredder on bass. So it's like fun for me to be able to play something besides root notes. Um, I really love that one. Uh, Burn the City is always fun. Mm -hmm. There's that breakdown hits real hard. Um, and this is who we are. Like, I think we all like get a little amped and like rock out. It's about as hard as like, it, it's our 99th percentile on, on rocking out with that song. So yeah, it's kind of all those three. Now, since, uh, since Collider and then the acoustic, uh, record that came out in 2015, you've actually, and even before that, I mean, you've done this for years and years, you've transitioned to being a producer, a mixer, an engineer. Uh, I believe you've done that since what, like 2011 or 12? Yeah, I started producing the cartel stuff uh, in stereo EP. That was my first. Right. Way. Now, what's it like to be on the other side of the glass, whether it be with cartel or helping others create? Uh, man, it's awesome. Like, I've always kind of been, like, with anything that I am interested in, I'm a real big nerd about it. Um, sure. Golf, obviously, like, we could do an hour and a half podcast on golf alone. Well, how much time uh, do you, you got, man? We have to talk. <laughs> <laughs> but um, with music, like, you know, it, it was kind of like a progression, you know. So I got my first guitar when I was 12 or 13, I forget. But uh, I got my first guitar, tried to learn how to play it. Okay, cool, I can play it pretty good. All right, well, I got I wrote this song, like, and now I can just play it for myself, but nobody can hear it, or I can get my band together and play it, but still nobody can hear it, just, just playing it. I want to hear what it sounds like. Well, there's no way to get it to sound good. So we got to, let me figure out some recording software. And it just like, sounds like shit. Like, how do I get it to sound good? Why do I listen to records and it sounds great? That, do some research. Oh, they're doing it in studios. And like, you know, I, I obviously knew about studios before that, but like, oh, well, they're using this, you know, this mic and this thing and that thing and that thing. Oh, well, I can't afford that. So how do I do it myself? And, you know, like graduation present for high school, like all the graduation money I got, which wasn't a lot, but enough. Um, I bought a recording interface, which at the time was just like, oh my God, like, uh, you know, <laughs> it wasn't a tape machine. It was just like trying to get it in the computer and I was terrible. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but you know, I was a big nerd about it. how do I make it work? All right, cool. I can record stuff. Sounds terrible, but at least it's being recorded. And then sort of, you know, now, okay, now I'm in a band. We go to the studio. Oh, okay, cool. This is doing it for real. This is how that guy does it. And then sort of always a progression like we're doing chroma like i paid a lot more attention to how things were done like had ideas about like yeah man if we pan this guitar left and then do that one over here like i think it could do something cool great and so like started kind of getting into the conceptual ideas of uh, production versus like the hands-on engineering side mm -hmm. um with that record and zach and kenneth did chroma um self-titled and then did uh the mixing on collider we actually did it in their studio but i did everything other than mix it um on the production side, anyway. Mm -hmm. Obviously, didn't play everything. Right. But um, I, I learned a hell of a lot from Zach and Kenneth. Like, I owe my production career to them because they let me annoy them with questions like, hey, so in Pro Tools, when it gives you this area, what do you do? Oh, well, you need to do this and that. Okay, cool. I'm like, sort of just like learning as I go. Um, you know, slowly, like, as the band got a little bit more successful, I was able to, like, buy, like, a, you know, an inbox, like, an entry level interface at the time and, like, have Pro Tools and learn it and go and go and go. And then as we did more records and I knew more of what was going on, you know, watching people like, well, why are they turning up the high end on the guitars? Like, oh, because they're doing this, they're doing that, and this is how they mic it, and oh, okay, cool, this makes sense. 
And so, like, kind of just gleaning information as I go, kind of like hands-on, like apprenticeship without the official title. Um, and then you just kind of dive in and start making your stuff sound better than you recorded it. And it just, it's always a learning thing, man. Like, even, you know, stuff I was recording two years ago, I look back on it now, I'm like, no, we should have done that. <laughs> we, I know what I'm doing better now. I'm sure I'll say the same thing two years from now. It's funny, we actually just mentioned this on one of our mainline episodes. Um, we're 80, we're about to be on Saturday, will be our 80th episode. Once we, we drop this uh, bonus episode, it'll be our 92nd. This is our uh, 12th interview. And I went back and listened to episode one that we did. And we didn't skip a week. Sam and I have done this for every single week. The only time I took off was to get married and, and go on the honeymoon. Um, so we've been really consistent. So it hasn't been that long. It's been July of 2016 we started, but oh my gosh, it was awful. Yeah. I refuse to go back. <clears throat> yeah, it was terrible. Dude, and and I think the podcast realm is like a different realm. Like I'm gonna put on my nerdy engineering act because like when I listen to some of these things, like Joe Rogan obviously has a like super high production value. You know, it's a, a million dollar podcast. So like easily, you know, obviously his stuff's gonna sound good. But then sometimes I hear the podcast and I'm like you know driving in my car. And, you know, they got a dude on the phone like I am now. And, uh, you know, the host asks a question. It's all pretty and pristine. And the mic, and then the phone comes on. It's just like bites my head off the top. And I'm like, somebody put a de-esser on that thing. Oh, my God. I'm, gonna, I'm just like working the volume knob to try to like not bleed my ears. So there's so many times I just want to like write in and be like, hey, guys, I'm not trying to sound like a dick. But for real, like just get this plug in and put it on and just put it to this setting and it'll change your life and also make my ears not hurt. So please, you know, I've never done that. Cause you know, I don't want to get banned from listening. To <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's just so many times. I'm like, oh, so yeah, I mean like audio is a hard thing. Like it, it's, it's magic and science all wrapped into one. It's crazy. Now, how can someone contact you if they want to book studio time with you? So I have a website, uh, it's willpewmusic.com, um, and it actually needs to be updated pretty bad, but um, I've been waiting, to, we're doing some renovations at the studio, so I'm waiting to have like all this uh, these, you know, fancy photos taken when drywall actually isn't raw drywall anymore. Um, but yeah, it has all the information on there, like contact site and all that stuff. Um, there's, I, I don't know if rates are on there, because it kind of depends on whatever the project is, um, what people want to do. So, um, yeah, that's the best way to get in contact. Now, there's some just, uh, some of the, like, uh, discography stuff on there, too. Like, you can listen to some songs that I've produced. So, get you, uh, kind of in the mind, mind frame of what I do. Right. And that's in the Nashville area as well, right? Yeah. Like, right dead center. We're in Berry Hill, which is like the, uh, I, I claim it as the recording capital of the world because there's more studios per, square mile, I guess the density of studios is more here than anywhere else in, on the planet um, wow. in this specific zone of Nashville. And I guess Nashville would probably qualify too, but LA I'm sure has more studios in the LA area. But um, yeah, right here in the dead heart of it, man. So you're, But you're also an artist on a website called Downright. Uh, if you could just speak yep. a little bit about what Downright is, um, how people can get in touch with you for that kind of project. Yeah, so Downright is uh, was actually started by uh, Mark Rose um, from Spitalfield, mm -hmm. and uh, he uh, had, and I think Bob Nana too from Grade. I think they kind of are together on that. There was Maybe. always, 
there was yeah. always there was always an age old question if it was Spitalfield or Spitalfield. I went Spitalfield. Oh yeah, I, I definitely was with the, the soft eye. Yeah, absolutely um, soft. They're a great band, by the way. Fantastic band. I need to ask him that actually. Yeah, no, he's he's a great person. Um, really, really cool to work with. But uh, yeah, so they started this website that essentially like it connects fans and artists in a way that uh, previously not really in existence. So you know, if you're a fan of a specific artist or songwriter that's on downright you can go to their page and you can request for them to write you a song and you can either you know be as specific or uh unspecific as you want um about what you want the song to be about um mostly it ends up being love songs not gonna lie but there have been a few gems that have come across that i'll tell you about after a visit but um <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the most recent one i did like i just love it so much and it's such a cool thing but um you can pretty much do anything, and there's different levels. Like you can get like a one-minute song that's pretty much just acoustic and vocal. Um, you can get a full song that's just acoustic and vocal. You can get a full song plus a little bit of extra production, like you know maybe a drum loop or like some extra background vocal. There's something special there that's not just acoustic and vocal. And then um, you can also do a full studio production that's pretty much exactly like any other song I would produce for anybody else, um, as far as sound quality. Uh, and all that, and you know, full drums and bass, like full band sort of sound. Um, should the song call for it, but yeah, so there's all these different levels, and you know, it puts you like directly in contact with the artist or songwriter, and you sort of you know pour your heart out. You get a thing like a lot of people do, like handwritten lyrics, which I do as well. Come with it, and then like do a little video of the song sometimes. Um, you know, the person playing it, um, and you know, little special messages. So it's it's really cool. Like I mean, I, I'm. I've been tempted a lot to get, uh, oh God, a month now his name, totally, uh, Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids. He mm-hmm. does a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to hear what he would do with something, but it's also kind of one of those things where, like, I don't want to bug him. You know, he wrote Four Minute Mile. I'm going to leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> and, and everybody out there listening, I can say that I actually uh, got a song from Will through Downright, and it was uh, 100 million percent perfect and worth it so check out downright um can't say enough good things about not only the project you did for us uh for a song we used in our wedding um but just in general just a fantastic idea first and foremost yeah now i kind of want my own song (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's really cool man the uh the most recent one i did that i'm totally in love with is uh this guy i forget his name i think it's steve something but he um he's really good friends with a guy named TJ Russell, who was our sound guy for Chroma. Um, and he's, he now does like monitors from Paris. Um, and he's, he's done a couple other bands. He used to do the Somerset. Uh, mm-hmm. he's their front of house guy as well. But, you know, we knew TJ really well. And so he was, he's like, Hey man, last year I got William Beckett to write one for him, but now I'm going to get you to write one for him. He's like, pretty much just write a song about TJ. He's like, you can praise him, bust his balls, do whatever you want. <laughs> and so I had the idea like, I'm going to write TJ, and like early to mid nineties, like TGIF style theme song. Um, so maybe a little like more like nineties rock guitars. Um, and it, it's called like TJ champion, um, in parentheses. And it's by far like one of the favorite things I've ever written in my life. It's just so fun. Cause I've never done a song like that before, but it's super like, Oh God, I, w- I want to put it out there. Just be like, guys, just listen to how fun it is. Um, <laughs> It's just, I mean, it's straight up like TV theme song. It's like a minute and 30 seconds. Just boom, dead on it. 
I just have um, like the step by step theme song in my head. It's so good. That's awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> Shout out to <laughs> Steve funny. something. That's good for him. That's really really cool. Oh, he nailed it. Yeah. yeah. So so what's next for you as an artist? Man, we're. Um, I guess I'll break the ice on this. Why not? Um, so I'm kind of like. I've been working on a quote unquote solo project for probably like seven years, and I was actually really should have put quote unquote in the working part. Because <laughs> um, it, it's gone, it's gone through several different like iterations of what I wanted to do. Because I mean, I, I you know I love my band; they're my best buds. Like I love the music we did. Like it was very you know very much exactly what I wanted to be doing with my life. But like from an artist perspective, just create you know, a creator, um, like, there's a lot more influences that we have. And we started that band when I was 20 years old, and New Found Glory was my favorite band on the planet. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, since then, like, I still love New Found Glory. Of course. I mean, they're good friends of mine now. Like, I, you know, they're still a huge inspiration for everything we did. But, like, I also love Radiohead, you know? <laughs> and I love... You know, Bonavere and like all these other like obscure artists. You know, I love the Punch Brothers, like a progressive folk bluegrass band. You know, like it's like all this stuff that I'm super influenced by and would love to make music that like sort of like kind of use those inspirations as well. But, you know, as I've grown in my listening, the band, I couldn't really grow the band that way because it'd be like, wait, Cartel just released this weird like piano ballad you know, super reverbed out, like, what the hell is this? Like, it just wouldn't work. So, I've always kind of wanted to do something that was just completely the opposite of Cartel in some form or fashion. And not in spite of Cartel, but just because I have all these other things that, like, get bottled up because I've never been able to express it. And so with that, like, it's gone, it's undergone several different iterations. I'm like, I'm going to do, like, a, you know, a you know straight up, like, alternative rock band and then it was like well you need a band to do that you can't really do it all yourself so you got to pull that away and then like oh, i'm gonna do this like posting service project and then i was like well yeah, that's cool but i don't have enough sound to really make that happen and nor do i have time and, like there's a couple songs that, like leaked in like um one of the hidden tracks on uh self-titled get through this which is at the very end of the record mm-hmm. like that was kind of when i was in that phase of things and they were like yeah man throw it on there it's cool i'm like oh yeah right on <laughs> um so yeah, it's, it's undergone all these different things. And uh, last year, um, I actually kind of got to a couple songs where I was like, hey, you know, this is something that I can really dig into. Like, all right, let me, let me try this. So, like, I actually went to Blackbird Studios here. It's like, I mean, I could I could throw a rock four times probably and hit Blackbird. Um, and we went over there. It's a huge, like, incredible studio. that's really, really famous in Nashville. But um, went over there. Tracked, uh, tracked four songs down, decided to keep two of them, and then uh, was kind of like, you know, like, I really want to, like, do this to the max effort, and, like, uh, Joseph in Cartel, he and I have always been, like, kindred spirits on, like, listening to weird-ass music, and uh, you know, really, like, kind of getting off on all that stuff, um, and, you know, I hit him up and was like, hey, man, do you want to do this with me? Because, like, I think if you were part of it, like, what you bring to the table and how you sort of balance me out in the songwriting, even with Cartel, obviously, totally different style. Like, you and I come from the same place, and I think if we do this, that we can make some really, really cool music. And not necessarily, like, be the biggest band in the world or anything like that, but just for the sake of writing something and, like, making something special for us, and hopefully for other people, too. So we actually just, like, started working on that together, like, about a month ago. 
So I would say sometime this year, people are going to hear it. We don't have a band name. We don't like literally just like the very beginnings of the thing, but um, it's not cartel at all. Like it's, it's a little out there, but I, I, I think people will dig it. Um, not everybody, but I think some people will, from cartel land will be able to follow over. Well, I can tell you, once that drops, me and Greg will buy that album immediately. Any, any, <laughs> anything new working on the on Cartel? Mm, you know, man. Like, how do it's funny because, like, as a band, we haven't ever really discussed anything. Like, we're not on hiatus. We're not. We didn't break up. It's just like everybody's life is happening. You right. know, like I, I've got a two-year-old daughter. Um, Nick Congratulations! Just about, he's gonna have a baby in July. Yeah. Um, he just got married. Kevin. Uh, Kevin started a bar here in Nashville with Andrew <laughs> from Rocket to the Moon and Brian from SJC. They like started the bar together. It's doing really really well. Um, Joseph is killing it, like making guitar pedals and like, guitar check for Third Eye Blind. Wow. Um, That's freaking awesome. Like, really Everyone's killing it. Cred. Say what? Everyone's killing it. Yeah, so I mean, we're kind of all in like very different places from being able to just drop everything and go on tour and like kind of do that sort of thing. And like, I mean, playing the playing the Warped Tour uh, cruise was it was awesome. I mean, like you know, it's a good excuse to get us all together and hang out for one, but also like get to see some buds and play some shows. Like, it was rad. Um, and you know, it's nice to know we still got it after not playing the, the uh, Chroma tour. Sure, uh, it's like, all right, cool. We can actually still play our instruments, and we know these songs, and didn't totally screw this up. It's awesome. So, um, I, it's not off the table that we'll do something, but I know musically, as far as like putting out new music, like we've always had the mantra, and like me specifically, as well as the band, on the same page with this, that we're not going to do music for the sake of doing music because there's a lot of bands that like I've been a fan of, I've listened to their records, but at a certain point it's like, dude, you guys need to stop. Like I'm, I'm happy that you're still putting out music and you're still playing shows and people are coming to the shows and you're still successful. But like musically, creatively, like you might've put out three songs total out of your last five albums that I actually liked at all. And I used to be like a huge fan of your band. And you know, that's just being you know honest as a music listener. Um, I still support you. I still like, you know, cheerlead, but God, like you just need to put it down, you know? Um, or just stop for a while and let yourself get creative again, you know, be inspired by something to write music. And, you know, every song I can put a stamp of, you know, certification that every song the cartel has ever done, we put every last bit of effort into and, you know, poured our hearts into it. And, I can't honestly say we could do that right now and still, you know, be able to put that, you know, certified authenticity stamp on it. Um, so it's kind of just, you know, we'll see what happens, <laughs> but, um, you know, it just kind of is what it is. We're all still great buds. And it's, I, I'm happy that like, if our swan song has come and gone that, you know, we did everything our way. Um, and, yeah, I mean, what else could you really want? Yeah, we're right. all so great buds. You know, we were all at right. Nick's wedding back in uh, October. So, like, you know, it's it's still a family. It's just a matter of whether or not we all want to hash that out again. And, right. You know, I mean, we want to, but, it's, you know, we're not going to do it just because we need to. Absolutely. I understand that 100%. Um, now, we are, mm-hmm. 
We are a nerdy podcast. We uh, talk about movies and, and music and TV oh, yeah. and video games and all that stuff. So we do want to transition. There is one question uh, that I do have that is about music and, and kind of wrap up the music there. Uh, it's not in the rundown that I sent to you uh, before we went on. However, I just it, it hit me. I need to know, how did you end up doing getting a song with Wyclef? <laughs> oh, yeah. Whew, nuclear North Korea. Yeah. So wasted. Was, <laughs> it, was, it was prescient, man. He was prophesizing it. Um, no, the, uh, so our A&R guy at Epic, when we were doing that record, uh, he used to manage the Fujis, mm. or he was a day-to-day manager. So he knew all of those people. Um, and we really wanted, like, or, I should say, we, the we wasn't just the band. The we included the label and management and all these other people. And they were like, it'd be cool to get a special feature, like, for somebody that would never feature on one of your songs. And we asked a lot of people. I mean, we asked Outkast, um, because we recorded the same studios they did. We're from Atlanta. And we're like, hey, but it was kind of at the time where they just went super underground. I think that's when Andre, like, had his little freak out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I was to, like, put that down, like, he went through some serious shit. But, you know, he had a freak out. Um, but it, that didn't happen, and he was like, hey, man, so uh, I know Wyclef loves to collaborate with people, and especially people outside of the hip-hop world. Like, would you be down to, to do with Wyclef? And I'm like, yeah, dude, that's crazy. Like, Wyclef is the man, of course. You know? Um, and yeah, so, we, you know, we had the song Wasted, and it was, like, super, like, out of the box for us anyway. So I was like, hey, well you know, while we're at it, we might as well get somebody like that to like take their, um, take their inspiration from it and run with it. And, um, so it just kind of worked out that way. And I mean, Wyclef is a cool dude. I will have to say like, he's very, very much knows his shit and very much like he's, he's all party, but he's all business. Like it's just like super good time. It's that Caribbean thing, man. You just can't pull it out of him. But, um, he had a really cool take on Wasted that, you know, like my version's kind of like a little melancholy about, you know, like Wasted Life and like, you know, it, all the characters die in some form or fashion. Um, and he was like, no, nah, man. And so when he played us our, uh, his version in the studio, it was like, you know, the super like upbeat, like reggae sort of thing. We're like, what the heck? Like, it was very shocking. Like, okay, crazy, but cool. And he was like, yeah, man, in the Caribbean, like, you know, we celebrate death. It's like a part of, like, it's a part of life. It's a beautiful thing, you know. When you just, if you look at it a certain way, and, like, I think, like, taking the song and taking it that way um, would be really cool. And then, like, from that perspective, it was like, oh, that is actually pretty neat. Um, and, you know, it was all uh, all downhill from there. Like, you know, I got to hang with him a little bit and do yeah. all the thing. And, I mean, I don't know. It was one of those crazy experiences. Like, I hadn't thought about that in I don't know how many years. And you bring it up, I'm like, oh, yeah. Wild. I forgot. So recording with Wyclef or playing golf with the front man of no effects, which ranks cooler? Ooh, dude. Um, had, we, had I actually, like, come up and played a song with that mic in no effects, or had he come on and, like, sang one of our songs, mm-hmm. which probably would be more of one of the things that would happen, I guess. Um, I guarantee you, you probably never even listen to a, one note of our music, so, um, just because that mic's that mic. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm gonna have to, I, like, no offense to that mic, love you, buddy, but like, Wyclef, like, that's something that a you know a pop punk slash pop rock slash emo band uh, would never get to touch, like, in a million years usually. So, like, having that feature, being able to do that, it's just kind of like, all right, 
that's crazy. I'm sure if I saw him in a bar, I was like, hey, man, remember we did that one song together? He'd be like, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do like hundreds of songs a year, man. Like, yeah, I guess. Sure. Now, anything did you want to add before we switch real fast to the nerdy section? Oh, man, I love nerdy section. Let's go. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, just any like, give any fake. What kind of like movies are you into? Horror, comedy? Any favorite films jump out at you? Man, I li- I like I like heavy hitters on the music or on the music side. Huh? Uh, I like heavy hitters on the movie side, like things that like really like make you think or like. Um, so like Tommy yeah, Boy, kind of reach a little deeper. I don't know, like um, shit. I mean. Yeah, I'm always a sucker for a good sci-fi movie, like Interstellar, like it's incredible. Since, um, once yeah, I, I saw that movie, movie, Will, I can never look at a so bookshelf I, the same. Oh, yeah, dude, it trips you out, right? If, if, if a book fell, I'll run right out the house. <laughs> like, it's my dad. He's <laughs> 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 trying to tell me something. It's Morse code. Except he's right next um, to me. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that 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 movie was crazy. Like I, I love shit like that. Like I mean, Contact is a great movie. Um, Fear. Like, I, I like things that kind of pull it out. I'm not, not really a big horror guy because I'm, I'm kind of impressionable in that way. Like you know, even though I'm a 33 year old grown man, I, if I see a horror movie and like walk in my house, which I know is safe, I live in a safe neighborhood. There's not a boogeyman living in my backyard. I'm still gonna like be wigging out. Like the wind's gonna blow and like the umbrella's gonna like hit the window. I'm gonna think somebody's coming in. You know, like freak out. Like so, I don't I don't mess with horror. Dude, I am really. so with you. I am. Yeah, so... we're, we're, both of us aren't horror guys. No, and my wife is, and that's all. She's probably watching The Conjuring now downstairs oh, as yeah, we speak. No. Not for me, man. Not yeah. for me. They don't do anything for me. Nah, nah, man. Like there's there's yeah. Uh, there's a lot of space up here in my brain that could be occupied, and something like that is, is super like strong. Gets in my head, like it's really hard for me to get it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I I read the book It when I was uh, like a freshman in high school, and I was terrified for like a year. I didn't even finish the book. I got like halfway through, and like <laughs> you know, the clown started turning into some weird like creature and i'm like I, i'm done i'm done i can't do it i can't did, do it did you see the I'm new not one clown, so just, no god no <laughs> how about this one hell no how about, how about this one for a story it's quick um my brother-in-law we just went over his house last weekend for a family party and he has playstation vr so he gives me the headset and i jump into vr and of course he puts on the it experience in vr so I'm down in the sewer with Pennywise with a VR helmet on my head, freaking out. And so he says, Greg, turn around. Just do it. Just turn around. Nope. I'm like, I'm like nope. no, Joe. Nope. I, I know. I was like, I know Pennywise is behind me. I'm not turning around. He goes, just do it. So I'm like, all right, Joe, I'll turn around. And so I expect him to be there. I turn around. It's just a balloon. And I'm like, okay, real funny. Nope. When I turn, nope. when I turn nope. back around, he's going to be there, isn't he? And so he's like, I don't know, just do it. So I turn back around, and there's nothing. And then I turn back around, and he pops the balloon and jumps out of me. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, like, I just got goosebumps, and you're just telling a story. <laughs> like, I, uh-uh, nah, no way. Uh, not for me. Like, that, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you, put me in, you put me in a room with that thing you do, Empire Records, and the room, and I'm a happy guy. Yeah, dude, done. Easy. You guys in your room. I love that movie. It's, I refuse to see it. It is the greatest movie of all time. 
No. How about ice? Maybe you like Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones or shows like that. Uh, so I didn't. I'm kind of one of those guys that once I know what happens, I can't watch the show. I hear like, you. Everybody was into Breaking Bad. I didn't get into it early enough, and like I already knew everything was going on. I was like, you know, like I know people say it's the greatest show ever, but like you I know the know ending. So like, so I, you know the ending. Yeah. Damn. So that's that's the thing. I can't I can't watch it. I already know what happened. Yeah. See that. Um, no, no. I was, I was gonna. It reminded me. So when I first saw the movie, saw before I saw it, the dude, the dude told me like, it's the guy. He just gets up. He's the bad guy. So I went in. The movie was ruined for me. So that's like, I don't blame you for not seeing Breaking. Well, actually, Man. to that point, are you, Will, are you a Star Wars fan? Hell yeah. Sam, why don't you tell him the story about the Force Awakens? Spoilers. Oh my. Oh, no. this is a horror story, Will. You ain't gonna like this. I'm I'm literally about to leave my house to go see this movie. I'm super hyped, been a fan most of my life. I'm not like a huge diehard fan, but I, I, I really like Star Wars. I, something told me just, I don't know, like, you know, you just go to check Facebook just automatically. And as I'm walking out my door, what do I see a screenshot of? Han Solo. Han Solo with a lightsaber no. through his chest. I almost oh, threw my God. phone over the, to the next house. I was so pissed, and that, and I had to go see the movie knowing that. Oh, dude! Yeah, see, that's why, I, like, films like that that I have to see, and I know that there's going to be spoilers. Like, there's stuff that people don't know yet, and if I'm not there the first night before anyone has a chance to spoil anything for me, even by accident, like. I I have to like Star Wars. I've been there like literally like the first showing that I could possibly make it to. I am there just so it cannot be ruined. What did you think of the Last Jedi? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, you know, it, to me, it wasn't as good as the Force Awakens, but in a different way because I think the Force Awakens like had something different. Because I mean, unfortunately, I had to live through prequels, which God. <laughs> um, going back and watching this now, it's just like poor George Lucas. I share that. I share that <laughs> opinion. I share that opinion with you. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's great, but you already kind of know what's coming. It's right. Like, yeah, Anakin, little kid, he's going to turn into Darth Vader. We got that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the new stuff, it's like, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, it, you know, we grew up knowing, you know, like, you know, before I even watched Star Wars the first time, it's like, oh, yeah, Darth Vader's Luke's dad. I got that. Um, so we, there's just a different thing with, like, the new. And so with Force Awakens, the first one is J.J. Abrams. He kills that stuff. Um like oh man it's gonna be incredible like you already just know it's yeah. gonna be awesome so you go in and it rips you love it oh my god this is great like the force is incredible now like they're doing all this stuff like the technology looks great it's not too like overdone it still feels like a classic just with better camera you're like oh this is perfect and then you know going in the last jedi it's like well i hope i'm not disappointed because the last one was really good um i think the story is a little like the story is not quite as solid but like I mean, people are trying to compare it to Empire Strikes Back because, you know, it's the second one in the trilogy. And like, Empire Strikes Back's the best one. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's the best one because you find out Darth Vader's looks bad. But, like, overall, like, Return of the Jedi, more badass shit happens. So, like, I still prefer that one. Or A New Hope because it's like, oh, it's the first time, you know? Um, so I, I, I still feel cool about it. Like, you know, obviously a lot of Luke Skywalker, which we could all deal with. Um I think it sets up something cool. I still don't believe that Ray's parents are nobody. Same. Um, yep. I don't believe that. I think uh, old Kylo's playing a little joke yeah. on her in a certain way, but 
Um, just because the force doesn't really work like that, especially when it's that strong with her. Like, and if it is, it's kind of like a, you know, it, it's just taking a different direction. But um, which is fine. I'm cool with it. But and I'm also not one of those guys who's going to be like they ruin Star Wars. Like yeah. even the prequels, like everybody shits on Jar Jar Binks. It's like, yeah, I mean he's a little goofy, but like he doesn't like flat out ruin the movies. Now, would, especially would, when you get into like was Jar Jar the Sith Lord too? That's crazy. That's, that's a crazy yeah. theory. What did you think of uh, Princess Leia Superman in it? In in the hmm. in, in uh, all right. the last Jedi, yeah. We'll let it all hang out right here. When I saw it happen, I was like, "Oh, you know, like yeah." I was okay with it. I'm not mad about it. But if people who are super like pissed off, like, "Come on, what? She just forced herself back in from space? Like, come on, like." I totally understand that perspective, and I'll grant that to anyone. But yep, that's a fair gripe. I'll give you that. All right, I'll but, take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Oh, cool. We both were very taken out of the movie that, that when was we like, saw that. That was like the most, like I don't know, upset. I like most, I guess, part because I was like, hell, like, you know, what? Why that? And they're completely wasting Finn. They're just completely yeah. wasting him. So I agree with with that. Now, uh, what about games? Are you a gamer at all? Were you ever a gamer? I used to be a big gamer, but then I uh, grew up. So I played my game first and foremost was Halo, the original. Hell yeah! Hell yeah. Um, I ruined my freshman year GPA uh, playing <laughs> Halo till like five in the morning every night with LAN parties and whatnot. Oh yeah. Um, and then it kind of jumped into uh, Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. First-person shooters is kind of like a thing, especially when you can play a team game and like that sort of thing. Like competition, like always, did a lot of that. But um, yeah, that, th- those two were my big thing. And then you know, then baby came along and it was like, nope, oh, all right. <laughs> I don't even have like a gaming system hooked up anymore. It's really sad. It's funny though, Dave. Uh, Dave Elkins from May, when we had him on the other day, said that when they were going on tour, he would set up LAN parties on the bus with the other bands for Halo. So that's, oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's how you ride. That's yeah. how you tour. Oh, yeah. So nothing. I no, played a lot of Tiger Woods. Uh, I, I, yeah, I would have guessed that. Well. Yeah. And Madden 07 that you had to buy. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. But, yeah. yeah, they had I to buy. I played a lot of the NCAA, though, because I'm definitely much more of a college football fan right. than an NFL fan. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no more NCAA, so shrug. Go Bulldogs, I would assume? Or no, you didn't. No, no, no. You're Georgia State. No, right? dude, You're Georgia State. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, I went to Georgia State just because, like, all my friends went there. I applied to Georgia, but um, came Halo Georgia State, and then ended up tran- transferring to Georgia actually right before the band started doing its thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, lifelong Georgia fan. Like, I came in, I came back home from the hospital when I was Georgia one. There you go. Yeah, we don't have any. Yeah, Pennsylvania is not a huge college football town. I mean, we have Penn State, but we're in Philly, yeah. which is three Eagles, and a half baby. hours away. We're pro football here. Obviously, just won our first Dude, Super Bowl. Temple, man. Come on, man. Absolutely. First. Oh, that I will never forget. I've probably watched the Super Bowl no less than 15 times in its entirety in the three weeks, three, three to four weeks that it happened. Insane. But that will do it for our special bonus episode of We Podcast and We Know Things with Will Pugh of Cartel. Uh, will, thank you so much for taking the time. Hang on the line for just a second. Um, but we'll see you this weekend for episode 82. I don't work on January 8th. That's Elvis's birthday. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>